art can mean different things to different people. These are just our opinions. Ben interested in know that our opinions may differ from yours and encourage that difference. Also, spoilers. Welcome to Journey to the Center of Cinema, where we try to get to the center of movies and TV. I'm Tristan. And I'm Ben. Today, we are going to talk about a 2019 A24 movie that did not fare well with the Academy. <laughs> Farewell. I don't know why the Academy didn't give us any attention. Yeah, I mean, just to start off, this movie was not nominated for a single Academy Award in 2020 when it was eligible. And that's a disgrace. There's, I think, a lot of awards that it should have been at least nominated for, maybe not one, especially since Aquafina, who is the star of this movie, won the Golden Globe for her role in this film. And I know at the time it was kind of a, a big surprise that she was snubbed by the Academy to not even get the nomination after being nominated and winning in that. And yeah, there is no love. It was well-deserved by her. This is, she's quickly becoming one of my favorite performers in the industry right now up there with with keith and zendaya as probably like emerging stars who will have a who will have awards attention in the future i think she is up there yeah with them i definitely agree and i think the other big surprise for this movie and i think it might honestly come down to the the rules process is that it wasn't nominated for best for or Best foreign language film, I believe, is now what they call it. Maybe. I don't know, because it is technically an American Chinese co-production. But it right. is primarily in Chinese. But it's as Parasite proved, just because you are nominated for best foreign language film, it doesn't mean you can't be nominated for best picture. I'm just going to do a, a quick sorry about this one. Um, it is now known as the Academy Award for Best International Feature Film. They, mm. <clears throat> it was formerly called Best Foreign Language Film until 2020 when the new award name took place. And it is stated by the Academy that it is given to a feature-length motion picture produced outside of the United States with predominantly non-English dialogue. So it would make sense that it was produced within the United States that it would no longer be eligible. So I'll retract Interesting. that one, but I still think it should have gotten some attention even beyond that category. Yes, since we haven't said what it's about yet. It yeah, is, let's get into the plot. It follows Aquafina's character, Billy, who learns that her grandmother has cancer back in China. And the family has decided not to tell the grandmother as to not put that much grief on her to carry. They say it is up to them to carry. So the family quickly devises a way to get everyone together to see the grandmother one last time. And this is the farewell from the title. And it essentially follows the family as they all grieve and try to figure out how to process that while pretending that everything 
is okay for their grandmother. Yeah, and it's based on a true story. The director, Lulu Wang, actually went through this experience with her own grandmother in China. And so it's a personal story from her point of view, telling about this experience that I think, especially in a Western society, none of us could comprehend that. And I think that's... I think they they even comment um, in that scene in the hospital where the grandmother tries to get the doctor to go on a date with Billy, mm-hmm. um, that it's illegal in at right. least the U.S. to withhold this sort of information. And it, from well, the it's not even just this family. Like when they talked to that doctor, he said that they, he went through a similar thing with his own grandparents. And it's, I think one of the lines in the film was, that cancer doesn't kill people in China. The, the effects of knowing that you have cancer do because you give up that will to live because if you know you have a terminal disease, what's the point of continuing on? So it's a very personal story for the director knowing her own family. And I guess a little bit of a, a spoiler alert for the end of the movie, it shows the tagline of this grandmother was given months to live and ends up living at that point when the movie came out had been living for six years after getting this terminal diagnosis. And the director actually had to lie to her grandmother about what the movie was about, because if she would have given it away, they still hadn't told her that she had this terminal diagnosis. So she had to lie about what this movie was about. And presumably the grandmother never saw it. I'm not entirely sure. Could not verify that one way or another, but the grandmother is uh, still alive, as far as we know. But I think coming from somebody who is not Chinese, well, the concept does sound kind of weird to us, and they, they address that in the, in the film itself. This is such an interesting way to, for the film to process grief or like showing them, because the, the thing that the family does to get everybody together in China again is one of the, I think it was Billy's cousin. Yeah. Gets engaged to his girlfriend that he's been with for six months, three, I believe. Three months, three months, three maybe six months. Yeah. Cause there was like a joke about, Oh, well, we'll say that they've been together for six months to preserve the, image of the family and they're like well if we say six months we might as well just say a year so it goes from they've been dating for like three months to they've been dating for a year and the the fian- the fake fiance does not speak a lick of chinese show presumably she doesn't throughout the whole movie know exactly what's going on i it's unclear i think they were actually dating because he, he had moved to japan Yes. And I think there was, he was dating this girl. Right. But it's unclear whether she, yeah, it's unclear if she even knows what's happening. Because the whole time the camera will cut to her and she always just has this kind of confused look on her face. And it, it could be because of the situation and she's confused as to why it's happening. It could be because she doesn't, there's a language barrier and she doesn't understand. It could be that she understands part of it, but the boyfriend doesn't want to give her the whole story because if I was dating someone for three months and had to have a fake wedding with them, I'm not sure that how I would feel about that. So I I just, the entire movie, I felt so bad for her, but it was kind of in this really 
funny way because like there's a scene where they go to a cemetery to ask the spirit of the grandfather i'm assuming to like bless the union Mm -hmm. and they have this whole very serious scene and she's just kind of there bowing a little bit later than everyone else when they bow and just kind of looking around and very confused and then they have the like it's very strange and i felt very bad for her the whole movie Mm -hmm. yeah and they the whole the wedding is this whole big thing that the grandmother has to make it perfect and has this big feast and all of the family friends and then some are you know it's a huge wedding hundreds of people that are there for this banquet and they all come up and give toasts and they sing karaoke and it is hard because as the viewer you know what's going on but you also just you you fall into that the sympathizing of the grandmother doesn't know what's going on and they can't tell her and billy throughout the movie is showing her emotion a lot more and originally she wasn't even supposed to go on the trip because her parents knew that she wouldn't be able to keep it together and they didn't want her to tip anything off and towards the beginning of the trip to china her grandmother kind of pulls her aside and wants to make sure everything's okay and so it's always kind of this tenseness of is she going to spill it are they going to find out but as the movie goes on billy gets a lot better at hiding that and it but it kind of shows that internal struggle for her of having to hide what she's feeling because she wants to process this grief outwardly but she can't because she's got this burden on her of not giving anything away to her grandmother. And it's not just her, um, I think her dad and her uncle are Mm -hmm. probably the other two who are the primary carriers of this grief. Mm -hmm. I I believe it's their mom. Yeah. So there's like during the, the toast, her uncle at the wedding, her uncle like falls apart completely and has to like play it off as he's crying because he's so happy to see everybody and like Mm -hmm. he it means so much to him that his mom was there at the wedding and it's very difficult because you know on the one hand that the grandmother doesn't know that she is supposedly going to die and is seeing this as like, oh, my family is just having, is just so emotional because we're all so happy right now. And then on the other, and then you also know that he is just actively mourning this perceived, this loss that he is going to have. And he can't express that. The movie is heartwarming and heartbreaking simultaneously, Mm -hmm. basically the entire time. Yes. Yeah, it's that that fine balance of you being kind of peace and happy that they're able to have this experience, but also heartbreaking that they can't fully have this experience because they have to shroud the reason that they're crying or the reason that they're upset or even the real reason that they're visiting China in the first place. Mm-hmm. There's an implication in a couple of the a couple of the conversations that they have. I think Billy, the doctor specifically, who studied in 
the UK. He went to med school in London, I think. I believe so, yeah. Um, where they talk about the difference in mourning and how this was uh, very strange for people who were, even if they were Chinese, were raised in um, the US or the UK or places like it to you know witness how things are done here and then have to go back to China and struggle with an almost like duality of, there is a conversation in the movie about who are you, who is Billy? Is Billy American? Is she Chinese? Right. Is she, this is a big conflict that she has with her identity. They, they also, her family talks about how her Chinese isn't good or like she is very self-confident or self, um, she, she has very low confidence in her ability to speak Chinese. They also take a shot at the, the, the Japanese girl for not knowing any Chinese there once. But I think that was more the grandma was upset in a moment of trying to make the wedding perfect and she couldn't. Mm-hmm. And she was just kind of lashing out. But it's, it was very interesting to see the dynamic of Billy trying to figure out who she was and where she fits in all of this while also trying to keep a lid on why everybody's there and right well and i think that's one of the things that a24 as a studio just puts out really quality movies a -hmm. lot now but one of the things is it's kind of twofold of billy's little bit of identity crisis because it does come with where she fits in this chinese world and is she american is she chinese is she somewhere in the middle of that spectrum now from being gone since I think she was five or six years old when they immigrated to the United States. Yeah. She was, she was under 10 for sure. Yeah. But she's also having this identity crisis at home because she's living in New York, but she's broke. And she, the only reason she can afford to live there is because she's in a rent control department that the landlord is very obvious about, if she left, the rent could like be tripled easily, but as long as she occupies there, they can't raise the rent. So just New York things. But she's waiting on this fellowship to come through. I believe it was a writing fellowship. And she gets a rejection pretty early on in the movie. And she doesn't want to come to terms with that, that she's been rejected. And so she hides that information from her family the whole time. So Not only is she struggling to hide the information from her grandmother about the illness and keep all that inside, but she's trying to keep in all of this personal stuff about how she's seeing herself right now, Um, not getting this fellowship, struggling financially, seemingly struggling just with her personal aspirations. And at one point she says she's just going to stay in China. And I think, the family sees that as like a, well, you feel bad for your grandmother. So you're going to stick around to try to take care of her and give stuff away. And I think at least partially for Billy, she's like, no, I'm going to stay here because at least I can find a purpose or something while I'm here instead of continuing to struggle at home. And there are a lot of people within the family and people outside the family that continually tell Billy throughout the movie about it's so much easier to become a billionaire in China than it is in America and how much more money she could make if she was rich and smart in China. So I think that's weighing on, there's a lot of things weighing on Billy throughout this movie. 
And I think Aquafina does a phenomenal job at balancing all that, especially as a, like, she's known for being a comedic actress. And she's a rapper too, which doesn't play in at all here. But I recently found that out. Yeah, um, I, think, I, think, I think she's a rapper. Yeah, but I think she really broke out in Crazy Rich Asians as the comedic best friend. And she's had, um, she has her own TV show that I think is on like TBS um, that talks about yeah. her, her life. Aquafina is Nora from Queens, I believe is what it's called. Um, yeah. She was in Ocean's 8 and she had a mostly comedic role in that. So up until this point in her career, it's been pretty much comedic. Oh, she's going to be in Shang-Chi in The Legend of the Ten Rings out this awesome. summer. Maybe. Maybe. People um, are more vaccinated now. Could happen. But she's... So I expected when I came into this movie, and Tristan, I think you'll probably agree that I did think this was going to be a more dramatic role for her, but I did. I thought there was going to be more comedic elements to it. I thought every once in a while, I'm like, oh man, we just got a really sad downbeat. I bet, you know, the next scene, Aquafina will do something funny and kind of lift us back up. And that really didn't happen. Nope. I feel like yeah, the I... only moments that are coming to my mind right now that are somewhat comedic are there's um, when Billy's grandmother is kind of exercising outside her house, apartment, whatever. And she's doing this like cleansing technique where she kind of thrusts her hands in the air and shouts and Billy, you know, she tells Billy to do it with her and Billy tries, but she doesn't really take it seriously. So it, it's kind of comedic. And then at the wedding, there's the, they're playing some sort of drinking game and the, the cousin who's having the fake wedding is just so bad at it. So he just continually drinks and yeah. uh, passes out, I believe from being too drunk, but. And there's, there's the, there's the conversation with one of the wedding guests and one of the older guys who was like, I was talking to, I think the grandmother's sis, little sister mm. And it was like, I was in love with you when we were in our 20s and I was going to marry you, but then I didn't. And that was like the whole story. Yeah, that was a really interesting thing that I didn't expect is in that moment, it was revealed that the grandmother used to be in the army. Yeah, I think. And it was like, I think all of the people, most of the people at that table were like her old army buddies. And the Mm -hmm. one you was, yeah, he's like, I was going to ask you to marry me, but then you like went off to this other department and then met, you know, this other guy swooped in and took you before I got back. And um, so, yeah, that was kind of, and then I think there's some line about like it being too late now or, you know, why'd you wait this long or something, but. But I, yeah, I even like, and when I looked this movie up before we watched it, it, it was listed as like a dramatic comedy yeah and it's it's not a comedy (laughs) at all but i mean it it has funny bits and i don't want to like understate how funny those parts were when they were trying to be funny because like the drinking game like most of the latter half of the wedding scene once you get past the uncle breaking down during his speech is really funny right but 90% of this is absolutely heartbreaking. 
Well, and I think there's a difference between, it kind of gives a different voice to what a comedy can be. Cause I think a lot of the movie isn't laugh out loud funny or even mm. funny in a way that you would think of comedy in general. None, most of the lines aren't like super memorable and quotable or something to say later and be funny. There's not really jokes, but I do think that there's more of a light heartedness behind it. Mm-hmm. Because I think a lot of times when you hear drama, you either think like, oh, it's going to be really sad or it's going to be dark or depressing or too real to human events that it's not going to be much of an escape because it's going to be it's going to be more real life where i mean obviously this is real life it's based on a true story but there were a lot of moments that may not have made you laugh may not have given you that standard comedic reaction but it did it was touching in a more lighthearted way the the scene with the doctor is a really good example of Mm -hmm. that because it goes from him explaining you know this is what's wrong with your grandma in english because he and billy have a whole conversation with the grandmother in the room in English because she can't speak English where he talks about, I went through the same thing with my family. And even as a medical professional, this is just how we do things. And um, I know it's hard, but it'll be okay to it, the camera cuts over the grandmother who in Chinese is like, you speak English too. You should take my granddaughter out on a date. You'd have so much to talk about. And uh, yeah, I think a lot of it, the the comedic bits or the the lighthearted bits come down to the juxtaposition of two things that some sort of one character doesn't understand or there's a time element another one that's coming to mind is um when the results from the test come out and the maid goes to pick them up and billy like runs to get them so that they can change the result before the grandmother reads them And she takes it to like some shop where they can basically like Photoshop what the doctor said so that it, when the grandma reads it for the first time, it comes across as like, oh, you just have a cough. You don't have stage four lung cancer. So, and the guy at the print shop is like, no one will ever believe this is like real scientific medical wording. Like this is just nonsense that you came up with. And then it cuts to the grandmother opening it and reading it and being like, see, I told you I was fine and just totally believes this made up medical nonsense that Billy came up with. So, you know, there's the, there's the verbal irony or the dramatic irony of, of those scenes that I think lends itself to the comedic tone. Yeah, definitely. And I, this, is, this movie is really aided by not just Aquafina's performance, but really everyone. Mm-hmm. And it is very good. Um, her grandmother, who I think from my research, the actress who portrays the grandmother is a huge deal yeah. in China. That's what I was, I think a lot of the cast is fairly big in China, but I heard, I was reading somewhere that the director of this movie had to beg the actress who plays the grandmother. And I'm, not even going to attempt because I would butcher this just because my English tongue and the, the Chinese language do not go hand in hand without practice. But she had to beg her to be in this movie and didn't realize she was just thinking, Oh, I'll just get this Chinese actress to play this role. 
it'll be cheap, it'll be easy. And then, you know, she went and approached these Chinese like agencies for, you know, actors and stuff and found out that like some of the Chinese actors cost more than American actors because there's such big deals in China. And presumably this is, was going to be a hit no matter where you are, because it's a story that's, it's not an American story. It's not a Chinese story. It's a universal story. So people all over the world can watch this movie. And as long as you don't mind reading subtitles while you watch a film, which you shouldn't. We're in a post-parasite world, people. Yeah. Read your subtitles. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, it's a very accessible story, no matter what culture you belong to, what language you speak, anything. I think it's a story that everyone can appreciate and you don't most people don't have a personal connection to this story of telling a a loved one that they're dying or you know not knowing that a loved one is dying without telling them um but i think just the way that all of the actors portray the emotion it comes across as a genuine thing that you can then empathize with even if a lot of audiences in america or um, other English-speaking countries haven't experienced this specific scenario, they have, grief is universal. Right. And we have all grieved the loss of somebody and their performances along with the script really tap in to that feeling and make this accessible along with other universal things like weddings devolving into... (laughs) Just drunken nonsense. <laughs> it seems that's universal too, which is nice to know. It was that scene I think kept this movie from just being sad all the way through. And that's really important. And I think I believe there was a line in the movie about this, and I feel like I'm gonna butcher it, but there was a sentiment throughout the movie about like what is death and what is grief and who who is death for who is a funeral for who is the grieving process for is it for the person that's dying or is it for the people that are that are going to still be around and i think that was part of the thing that they the whole reason that they kept it from her was because of putting that burden on her would be undue because she's going to pass anyway why burden her last days with that? And I think that's, it touched on just this new element of grief that I'd really never considered before of when people pass away or have a terminal illness or whatever, that burden, who is that burden placed on? And I think this movie did a really good job and watched the movie and you'll understand those sentiments, but also I think there's just really great lines of dialogue about it that really examines grief in new ways. And I think, I think both of us and probably a lot of people listening have probably witnessed a lot of grief TV shows and movies lately. I know when we watched this, we were like, man, between this and WandaVision talking about grief in new ways that like were astounding and really yeah. eye opening. And then Nomadland doing another important dissection of grief it i think we watched all of those movies in the span of like two or three weeks weeks. and 
Yeah, it was it was pretty much back to back, and it uh, ironically, I think that watching all of those so close together, at least for me, was nice in a, in a way to like, given the current climate, we've all been separate from each other for almost a year now, and we're all kind of collectively dealing with grief. You know, watching all of these things that examine how people process it was actually kind of nice yeah well and it i think it gives you a full picture watching so many movies in a short amount of time on a similar topic because none of them look at grief the same way Mm -hmm. and it's all these different pieces of how people go through the grieving process how they deal with that traumatic event of that and everyone grieves differently on different timelines in different ways And I think having that fuller picture of looking at it from three distinct points of view gives you a bigger understanding of what grief is instead of looking at an isolated example. This was the most, I think the most cheerful of the bunch, like most it, the way it ends uh, one that you find out that the director's grandmother is when the movie was released is still alive. Um, So I'm assuming that the character that is based on the grandmother is also still alive at the end of the movie. But this, the movie kind of lands on a, uh, a note of understanding and process. Like Billy learns to accept the way that her family is grieving, but also seems to accept that if she says goodbye to her grandma and goes back to the States, she may not see her again, but that's okay because of everything that happened. Whereas Nomadland, we can get into later and WandaVision just kind of, I think, ends with her deciding she's going to break the universe. So I do think of all of these examples, and I think most Hollywood examples that tackle this topic in general, they all, you know, I don't think any of them have were as uplifting and positive as this one, but I do think Hollywood generally will look at a topic like this and leave it with some sort of optimism or have some sort of going through the acceptance phase of grief. And even an example like WandaVision, where at the end there's still grief to be had and who knows what the future will hold with that department. But even she had that final moment with Vision and Mm. kind of let the grief go there. And we all openly ugly cried and we all shed the biggest of tears and if marvel doesn't let paul bet and he plays vision for the rest of his life i'm gonna be upset but <laughs> yeah but then kevin feige is just gonna come up with new ways to kill him all over again and just, <laughs> i know <laughs> just kill him forever uh but um yeah i think of the movies we've covered on this podcast this might be one of my favorites i know black bear was so good though (laughs) i don't want to compare them all but i was gonna say at this point i don't know where our production schedule is and what we've talked about (laughs) up until this point release wise but so far it was it was surprisingly i thought it was going to be good because of all the you know press i read about it but this is this exceeded my expectations um point of order i did just look this up um the grandmother from the the real life grandmother of Lulu Wang, as far as I can tell, is still alive. She did end up watching this movie just over <laughs> a year ago now and found she no one told her going in 
anything about it. Um, so she actually learned of her terminal cancer by watching this movie, it seems, which seems very heartbreaking. But I'm assuming there were a lot of different uh, emotions that happened during that screening. And yeah, I, I'm not one to comment on that, but it does She's look still like with she, us. So. It, it does seem that she is still with us. So, um, and her, her granddaughter has what I'm assuming is going to be a pretty good career ahead of her in filmmaking. Cause uh, if I think this was her second movie. Yeah. She uh, directed, oh, well, she's directed shorts and a documentary short. She did direct a movie called posthumous in 2014, yeah. which, which is not her rated. Real debut. And then the farewell, which was her second movie. Yeah. She has a, uh, an untitled project in the works. There are no details whatsoever available about it, but you know, I think both of us are very interested to see what comes next in her career. I think a lot of filmmakers having a big film like this come out, it's, I think her next film will really be a test of her style and her mm -hmm. directorial abilities um, because this project was so personal about her life. Being able to see her tackle a bigger project now that she has kind of the accolades around her that she doesn't have the personal story connection to, I think will be very interesting to see. And I'm excited for it. Yeah, and honestly, um, Disney, snap this woman up. Get her on Star Wars or Marvel or something. Like, <laughs> or give her, give her a bunch of money. Hear me let out. Her, let her do her own thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, or that. As much as I'm a, a Disney shill now, I think we need more creators like her that mm -hmm. can just make quality movies using their own creativity and not having to rely on well-known IP to sustain a project yeah she's got a, a i think a couple golden globes under her belt from this one so yeah i'm interested to see where she goes next and also aquafina i'll probably if she's in a movie i might it's more likely i'll go see that movie because she's been fantastic in everything i've seen her in definitely so yeah i think those are our thoughts on the farewell um it is time to say farewell to another episode of Journey to the Center of Cinema. Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't resist that one. No, it's good. Um, I approve of that. Um, so yeah, we hope that you've enjoyed our breakdown of The Farewell. We hope that you enjoyed this movie. And like we always mm -hmm. say, if you haven't seen it, well, like we always say, if the movie is good, if you haven't seen it, go see it. And even if we didn't think it was good, which obviously both of us liked this one, art is subjective um, and it means different things to different people. So take a stab at something and let us know what you thought about the farewell. Don't be afraid of subtitles. Don't, no. I think, I think that's something I've learned over the past couple of years, which we've talked about. Some of the, the movies that I've enjoyed the most in the past three, four years have been subtitled. It really... It opens up so much more to you. So take a stab at one of them. Yeah. 